everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today we're going to be talking about something that I know so many women struggle with, learning how to really receive God's forgiveness. And one of the key sort of buzz phrases that's going around Christianity today is learn to forgive yourself. That's something that many, many of us really have a hard time with. I really believe that this whole idea of forgiving yourself boils down to not so much an issue of forgiving yourself, but accepting and receiving God's forgiveness. When we know that we have been forgiven and washed clean by the blood of Jesus, then we don't continually drudge up past sins and wallow in them. But if you've ever really struggled with just being haunted by your past and previous sins that just don't seem to ever feel like they're completely removed from you, where you just don't feel forgiven, and maybe the enemy is just using that in your life to constantly... um, hold you back from the victorious life that God has called you to live and make you constantly feel distracted or weighed down or depressed over past sins, then I hope that this podcast will really encourage you. Now, it's really important to keep in mind, If I've heard so many women say, oh, I just can't forgive myself. You have to remember, it's not your job to forgive sins. Only God can really forgive sins. But your job is to learn how to agree with him and receive the amazing gift of complete forgiveness that he offers us when we come to him. I'd like to meditate for a minute on the story about the woman, the sinful woman who came to Jesus completely broken over her sin, and she was at his feet weeping and washing his feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair. And this is such a profound picture of what it means to really come to Christ with all of our pride put aside, completely acknowledging that we have nothing, we can bring him nothing, and he is really our only hope. He's our only hope for forgiveness, for redemption, and for life. And this woman was well known. She was notorious as being a sinner. Even the Pharisee who was sitting there watching the scene said, if this man were really a prophet, he would know uh, that this woman, he wouldn't allow her to touch him because everyone knows she is a sinner. And then Jesus rebukes the Pharisee and says, this woman has been forgiven much, so she loves much. And here is the Pharisee who really didn't feel like he had need of a savior. It seemed almost like he was just interested in who Jesus was and he kind of wanted the experience of having Jesus come into his home, but he didn't really treat Jesus like a guest of honor. Jesus said, you didn't give me water to wash my my hands or my face, but she has continually washed my feet with her tears. And this woman was so different than the Pharisee. The Pharisee was sitting there in his own pride, feeling that he really didn't need a savior. But this woman was so aware of her need for a savior But not only was she aware of her need for a savior, she was also aware that he could forgive and redeem her. And that is why she was so overwhelmed with love and gratitude and why she was doing what she was doing. She was so completely 
consumed with the incredible gift of his forgiveness and redemption that she wasn't really struggling to forgive herself. She was just overcome with gratitude and thanks for the only one who could truly forgive her and set her free. And that is really how we need to come to Jesus, not focusing on our worthlessness or our weakness or our inability to forgive ourselves, we have to get our eyes off ourselves and place our eyes on him who alone can forgive sins and wash us clean and restore us and redeem us and set us free. And when our eyes are on him, we're not wallowing in our past sins. We're overwhelmed with gratitude and love. As Jesus said, this woman loves much for she was forgiven much. So let's go into three ways to fully receive God's forgiveness. So if you're really struggling with just feeling that your past sins are still connected with your life and you don't feel free from them, think about these three areas of your life. And I just encourage you to let God work these truths deeply in your soul. It's possible that you haven't actually walked through the process of receiving God's forgiveness if those past sins are continually haunting you and hanging on. The first one is to repent and be made new. There's such a weakness in modern evangelism. Oftentimes we think that when we come to Jesus and we ask him to forgive us and we receive him into our lives, it's kind of like just wanting to be a better person and saying to him, I'm sorry for my sins. Thank you for dying for me. And then just going back to the same sinful patterns that we've always had. It's more just like a mental decision to say, yeah, I'd like to be a better person. And I acknowledge that Jesus died for my sins. But we don't really understand oftentimes what it means to truly repent and be made new by his power and pass from death unto life. I would encourage you that if you never have truly walked that experience where you feel that the old you, the old man has been put to death and you've been made new and alive in Jesus Christ, that you really go to someone who understands this process of what the real true gospel is and understands how to walk you through that process of being made new by the power of God. I encourage you to remain in the presence of God until you know that you've been made a new creation in Christ. It's a covenant exchange. It's laying down everything you are, everything in your past, everything that's ever been a part of your life and laying it at his feet and letting him overtake you from the inside out to transform you from the inside out. It's a process of surrendering your entire life into his hands and letting his power equip you to live a life that you could never live on your own. And when you pass from death to life, when you truly repent, you realize that your life is no longer your own. You've been bought with a price and you get up from your knees with that clear perspective. You realize that you've made a sacred covenant exchange with the Most High God. Communion really is a a symbol of covenant. He says to us, my body and my blood for you. And by taking communion, we say my body and my blood for you, Lord. So it's all that we are in exchange for all that he is. And when we truly make that exchange, then his life, his spirit comes and dwells inside of us and gives us the grace to truly repent from our sin. Repentance is more than just saying that you're sorry 
sorry, it's turning and walking the opposite direction. And the only way that we really can do that is through the enabling grace of God. Zacchaeus is a great example of what true repentance looks like. Here was a man who was very sinful, very selfish. He was a wealthy man, but he had probably gained most of his wealth by cheating other people. And when he heard Jesus was coming, he was so excited to see him. Maybe he realized that he could be made clean and set free by Jesus. So he climbed in this tree so that he could see Jesus passing by. And then Jesus looked up and said, make haste and come down for I need to dine at your house today. And Zacchaeus was overjoyed. He welcomed Jesus into his home and received the forgiveness and truly repented. He made everything right from his past. And he said, if I've taken anything by false accusation, I restore it fourfold and I give half of my goods to the poor. And Jesus says, today's salvation has come to this house. So it was receiving Jesus and all that Jesus could offer him, not just sort of saying, Lord, I want to be a better person, but I give my entire life to you. And as God leads you to even make restitution, to make things right, first and foremost with God and then with others that you may have wronged in your past, if it's appropriate to do so, just as Zacchaeus did. And then from this point forward, just as as Jesus said to the woman who was caught in adultery when all of her accusers walked away, he said, go and sin no more, which is another way of saying repent. It's turning and walking the opposite direction. So again, unless you've really made that sacred exchange, unless you truly understand that salvation is more than a mental decision, it's the enabling grace of God to pass from death unto life, to become a new creature, a new creation, new creature in Christ, and to live a life that you never could have lived on your own, to repent and to go the opposite direction than where your sin was leading you. If you've never walked through that process, then those sins from your past are going to continue to hang on. But when you repent and turn, you can be washed completely clean. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. The second principle to remember is that you need to take back any ground or territory in your soul that you may have given to the enemy through sin. All sin gives the enemy power over our lives, and especially if we've given into habitual sin, where we are willfully sinning on a regular basis and we know it's wrong, but we continue to do it anyway. Some examples of this would be the sin of lust or of impurity, of lying, even unforgiveness. If you continue to walk in those things, you give the enemy, whether it's a toehold, a foothold, or even a stronghold in your life because the more you continue to listen to that voice of sin and yield to that voice of sin, the more power and control the enemy gains over your soul and your life. Now, once you repent of those sins, you turn and walk away and walk the opposite direction by God's grace. The enemy has no more legal right to that territory of your soul, but you have to take the step, the authority that God has given you and tell him to leave. A lot of times you've repented of that sin, but he's still there. He's still got that stronghold in your life simply because you've never told him in the authority of Jesus Christ that he needs to get out. I would encourage you to let God reveal to you any area in which Satan has a hold in your soul, a toehold, a foothold, a stronghold, and usually it's going to be from habitual ongoing sin. Once you repent of those sins and God makes you new in that area, it's as simple as telling the enemy in Jesus' name that he must go and that you're taking back that territory and it's consecrated now unto God. And then he has no right to be uh, in that area of your life and constantly be baiting you back towards that 
that sin or reminding you of that sin. And every single time that he begins to whisper in your ear and tempt you back towards that sin or say you'll always be controlled by this sin or, you know, say you'll never be free from this sin, you remind him that he has no more legal right to be there. And this is now God's territory. You need to walk the other direction and take every thought captive. Don't listen to the enemy's lies. He'll only gain control over you if you listen and yield to what he has to say. So I encourage you to let God show you any ground, any territory in your soul that needs to be taken back from the enemy. The third principle that we need to walk in in order to truly receive God's forgiveness and know that we're forgiven is to agree with God. It sounds so simple, but so many of us fail in this area of simply agreeing with God by coming to Jesus and asking him to wash us clean from our sin and then continuing to wallow in those sins and feel like we're not forgiven, that's actually another way of arguing with God instead of agreeing with God. All we need to do is look to the word of God to know what he says about forgiveness. He says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He says that he forgives all of our sins. That's in Psalm 103. And it says that he removes our sin as far away from us as the east is from the west. And I love what Corey Ten Boom says about this. He casts our sin into the depths of the sea and he posts a sign, no fishing allowed. It's actually dishonoring to God to repent of our sin and ask for his forgiveness and then continually go fishing and try to dredge those past sins back up because it's saying, I don't believe you, God. I don't believe your word. I don't believe I'm really forgiven. And the word, the enemy oftentimes tries to just sidle up to us and subtly whisper, oh, poor you, you know, wallow in self-pity. You're the only, the only Christian here that just isn't forgiven. And and you're excluded from the amazing work that Christ did on the cross for these reasons. But no matter how appealing those lies may sound, when we say, no, God can't forgive me or he hasn't forgiven me even though I've asked, we're really just diminishing the power of God and the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. And that is a very serious thing. In Acts 13, 46, Paul and Barnabas were speaking to a group of Jews who were rejecting the word of God. God. They were rejecting the truth. And he and they said to them, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. That's pretty convicting because they rejected the word of God. And in so doing, they judged themselves unworthy of everlasting life. When we reject the word of God, when we fail to agree with God, we are judging ourselves unworthy of everlasting life. And it's actually walking in sin to do that. We so often want to just wallow in self-pity and misery, but you have to remember that if you live that way, if you live in this state of, oh, woe is me, I can't be forgiven, then you're agreeing with the enemy and arguing with God. I would encourage you to ignore your emotions and agree with God's word instead. Your emotions may make you feel that, you know, this sin will never be away from you. You'll, you'll always have to pay penance for it. God really can't forgive it. It's too big of a sin. All of that is just simply emotional baggage. So just put that aside. Look at what the word of God says and stop asking the question, how do I feel about this area of my life? But what does God say 
about this area of my life. Don't wait for your emotions to line up with God's truth. Reckon his word true in your life, no matter how you feel. And eventually your emotions will submit to God's truth. Don't try to have it the other way around where you wait for your emotions to get in line with God's word before you start believing God's word. Don't wait until you feel forgiven. It doesn't really matter how you feel. You stand on the truth of God's word and you command your emotions to agree. And every time those emotions or those those thoughts of, well, I'm not really forgiven may flare up, then go back to the word of God and stand on those promises that he casts your sin from you as far away as the east is from the west. You can say to the enemy or you can say to your own emotions, I've given that sin to God. I've repented of it. I've been washed clean. It's as far away from me as the east is from the west. And that's the end of it. I also want to encourage you to really be aware of that pitfall of self-pity. The enemy loves to use past sins as an excuse for self-pity, to keep you focused inward, to keep you focused in woe is me and state of depression, and, and to even make it something that you use in order to get sympathy and attention from other people. God has called you to turn outward and walk in the grace that he has given you, not to just stay confined by your guilt and your sin or to make that part of your identity or to use it as an excuse to get attention and sympathy from others. So say no to self-pity. Put all of that um, emotional garbage aside and make the choice to agree with God and then let him do the rest. Let him line your emotions up and your thoughts up with his truth as you choose to agree with him. Corey ten Boom tells the story of needing to forgive someone who w- had been very, very cruel to her in the concentration camp and been part of the reason that her sister died. It was a very, very hard decision to forgive this man. But as he was extending his hand in friendship to her, she had to make the choice, even though her emotions told her not to, she said, Lord, out of obedience to you, I'm going to extend my hand in friendship to him and you must do the rest. So she took the step of obedience. And as she did, she was flooded with warmth and forgiveness and love for this man. And it's the same when it comes to forgiving and, and knowing that we've been forgiven. Making the choice to agree with God and to say, Lord, your word says this is true. I've repented and by your grace, I'm turning and walking the other direction. I've been washed clean by the power of your blood. And I say right now that your blood is enough to cover my sins. I'm not the one Christian who's excluded from your forgiveness. And when you choose to agree with God, then you will walk in the freedom and the life and the grace that he's intended you to walk in and you won't be weighed down by your past sins. So in summary, I want to encourage you to remember those three steps. Repent and be made new and really know that you've passed from death unto life and that you have tapped into the power of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Secondly, take back any ground that you've given to the enemy and tell him that he has no more legal right to be in that area of your life. And thirdly, learn how to agree with God. Memorize the promises that are in his word on forgiveness. And it's not just a matter of forgiving yourself. It's simply a matter of saying, I now agree with God. And that is the secret to walking in the forgiveness that he has for you.
I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to go deeper into this area of victorious Christian living, being set free from your past, and letting the truth of God's word rule every area of your life, I encourage you to visit braveheartedchristian.com and look at the new discipleship program that we are offering. This is a week in Colorado with Eric and myself and our team. It's a powerful, life-changing week, and then about 100 days of follow-up training where you can be personally mentored by us and our team and learn how to really make these truths your own. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.